Today's show is being brought to you by Cause Marketing Forum and SelfishGiving.com. And we want to thank our sponsor, 1BillionShirts.org. Custom t-shirts that help others. Print with them, and 25 cents from every t-shirt benefits a good cause. And remember, you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. Leave us a comment at either one of those platforms, and we'll send you a Cause Talk Radio t-shirt. Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And of course, I'm here with my favorite host, Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Favorite and only. Hey. That's right. (laughs) You get the position by default. (laughs) I'll take it. Every week I call you and you say, stop calling me. How do you get this number? But every week we're here for another Cause Talk Radio. And it is made better by your presence, Megan. So thank you. And I am very, very excited about our guest today because, as you know, um, Megan, I am big into celebrities. And one of my uh, one of my visions, one of my opportunities, one of my desires in life is to meet Candy from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> and you know <laughs> that celebrities love to hang out with sports stars, right? True. Right. Okay. So on the line right now is Alicia Greenberg. She's a sports philanthropy consultant and president of Rounding Third. Hey, Alicia, how are you? Hi, Joe Megan. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Do you know Candy? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> do you have like Atlanta people, Atlanta sports stars, though, that maybe you could introduce me to? I, my, I'm not sure about that. Um, you know, I, ironically, right. Alicia, Joe starts out every single episode talking to our guest about sports, and today yeah. he doesn't. So I really, I'm not really sure what's happening. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pivot. I had a pivot. You know. So, so uh, Alicia, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Really excited to talk to you because you know sports philanthropy is just huge, and uh, mm-hmm. and things are really taking off. And what's fun about you is you wear a lot of different hats, and you have a different, lot of different things going on uh, when it comes to philanthropy in general. Could you tell us a little bit about the George Washington University School of Business Philanthropy that you're in charge of? Absolutely. We started a program at George Washington University last spring, in spring 2013. It's the first ever academic program focused on the field of sports philanthropy. It's an executive program, so professionals from pro teams, athlete foundations, other organizations really all around the world. We have students from Brazil and India and working using sport for good. And they come and they learn from industry experts. And it's going into its third cohort this spring. We're enrolling right now. Mm-hmm. So when you get those, some of those people from abroad, is it like you're teaching them how, how to play baseball and stuff like that so that they can have, you know, MLB clients and stuff like that? No, it's actually really interesting because sports philanthropy, I, I mean, I've been in the field 12 years now, and within the U.S. it's grown a lot, but internationally it, it still has a lot of room to grow, um, really as it does anywhere. But they they just want to learn. Um, there's organizations working on the ground in India that feel that they can learn a lot of the skills that we now know and implement them. And you wear, you wear a couple of different hats, too. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? 
hats that you wear also? Sure, yes. I, I get to do a lot of things within the field, which is fantastic. And as I said, it, you know, it, it has grown so much. And so I, I do a few other things. I'm the director of the Patterson Award, which is funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the largest foundation in the, in the country devoted to health. And we recognize excellence in sports philanthropy every year. And this is actually our decade celebration. So it's been around 10 years. We have 18 wow. winners. And it's a pro team, an athlete organization, and a sports organization that we that we recognize on an annual basis. So uh, we're actually accepting applicants right now. And we, um, my, my other hat that I wear is I work with individual athletes. So I'm currently running an organization for Justin Verlander of the Detroit Tigers, mm -hmm. and his organization is Wins for Warriors. It's focused on mental health support for veterans and their families in Detroit, Richmond, and Norfolk, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And I also just wrapped up working with Tracy Evans, who's a three-time Olympian, who has an organization called Kids Play International, focused on a very rural village in Rwanda, doing amazing things there with gender equity. Oh, wow. That's great. So t yeah. talk to us a little bit about sports philanthropy, and I, I, I want to hone in on the, the Excellence Awards only because that will give us a good example of what we're talking about here. Joe and I talk a lot about cause, cause marketing in sports, uh, and I want to talk about the, the, the line there, the difference there, but give us an example of excellence in, in sports philanthropy, something maybe you had have it awarded in the past. Yeah, sure. one last, right? I'm sorry? Who won last year at the Patterson? Yeah, so 2013, we had the San Francisco 49ers were our team winner. Tony Hawk was our individual athlete. And the LA 84 Foundation, which is the legacy of the 84 Olympic Games, mm -hmm. won our sports organization category. So we had a California sweep last year, and wow. which was amazing because um, it's named after Steve Patterson, who played under Coach Wooden at UCLA. So it was a really special year for us to be able to be out there um, near UCLA. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of our, well, Joe, one of our winners you would love, the Red Sox won. Oof, I was going to um, say. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were our winner many years ago, but the Red Sox Foundation remains a, a strong leader oh, in sports yeah. philanthropy. So, oh, they so certainly are. Tell, yeah. us, tell yeah. us why these people are winning awards, though. When you say excellence in sports philanthropy, yeah. what sets them apart from, from other people? Sure. We have obviously a long list of criteria. We have a pretty lengthy selection process that we go through internally. And what we look for is, I mean, a focused mission, uh, someone that has a strategic focus. Definitely the sustainability of having those long-term results and long-term impact in their communities that they're serving. And for us, it's also how they're using their assets creatively. So obviously within sports philanthropy, what makes us unique and different is that we have the sports side. We have that appeal that everyone wants to be a part of. And how are they leveraging that and how are they using that for good is, is something that we really look for. Now, what about uh, what about we're in the midst right now of uh, the Olympics, Alicia, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, 
when people come in and you've represented a client who has participated and won a medal in the Olympics and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, you know, what's, what, what's the process for someone who really does well in, in this, this Olympics here and, and they want to get involved, they want to give back and stuff like that. I mean, how did they get started on that process? And I guess what I'm always wondering too, with an Olympian is, you know, what's the shelf life of someone like that, that they have enough influence that they can be out there doing things. Absolutely, and it, I think it varies. And there's obviously, I mean, there's an end of the spectrum um, yep. for for anything. But you know, as I mentioned, Tracy Evans, who is a three-time Olympian, she's a an aerialist skier, and she, I mean, this is she's just an example. But one thing that she has done that's very smart was she has a group of athletes, uh, Olympians, that are sort of her ambassadors, that are current Olympians as well as former Olympians. So she has remained sort of still in the spotlight due to Mm -hmm. the fact that she's still linked to current Olympians. So a current Olympian, just an individual that is competing right now, is obviously has, you know, the biggest opportunity at this moment in their life. So I think it's just, you know, tying that in with whether it's their sponsors and doing something creative in that way to give back and just trying to really maximize this opportunity they have right now. And it, I mean, there's, I mean, opportunities are endless for them at the moment because everyone's watching. That's right. That's right. But then when the cameras go off, I mean, you know, before you know it, you know, it's like you, you you don't hear about these people as much anymore. And then it's only like the real superstars that kind of stand out. And, of course, they still have that ability to kind of leverage their stardom for cause. Definitely. And I think, I mean, obviously that was a challenge with, with Tracy at times that she did compete. And it you know has been 12 years since, since she was an Olympian competing. And, you know, that's definitely a challenge that they run into. And I think, I mean, I think there's different, obviously, avenues and you know, way too many ideas for us to discuss at the moment, but there's, yeah, right. you know, there's still different ways, whether it is through their sponsors that did sponsor them, right. um, that maybe still do want to support their efforts. And as long as they're strategic and have yeah. a true passion and they focus and yeah. have results, I think they end up still, you know, having that support. Just like a company, you know? Exactly. So, I mean, if, you know, if I'm a, uh, if I was a curler in the Olympics, you know, and I was sponsored by like Swiffer, you know? <laughs> and and I, you know, I I could leverage that. You know what I mean, and make something yeah. happen for myself. Exactly. That's the dream, isn't it, Joe? <laughs> I, well, I, I want to talk a little bit about something I referenced earlier, and that is the gray area between cause marketing and philanthropy. And yeah. I, I'm interested from uh, to hear about this from your side of the equation, since you are focused on philanthropy. You know, we hear from nonprofits all the time that the demands from the corporate side are getting larger. And in this case, it would be the sports side wanting to, you know, turn it more into a partnership versus straight philanthropy. Is this a trend you're seeing? Talk a little bit about that line between cause marketing and philanthropy and, and the trends that you're seeing. Yeah, I, I have seen that. And I, I mean, I do think that it's, I mean, I'm not sure it's necessarily the right direction for, I mean, obviously, 
obviously for philanthropy to be going in. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of benefits from it. And obviously for whether it's an individual athlete or a professional team to be having those relationships, they're beneficial regardless of the outcome. But it, it definitely, if it doesn't have the sort of philanthropic side, and again, that real focus on, on impact of what the outcomes are going to be, I think, I mean, I, I think it, it might not be successful. Well, I'm curious, uh, again, because we, we're sort of sitting on different sides of the fence of this equation. So in your mind, what's the benefit of doing something that's purely philanthropic versus something that focuses on impact but also has, you know, a return on investment for the business? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, one is how it's, I think, how it's viewed um, by whether it's fans or donors or if you have a board of directors, um, obviously that. That is a large factor in in it and what their expectations are. Mm -hmm. I think there's just a lot of variables and stakeholders that play a role in in what their expectation is, what their outcomes they're looking for are. If you have a large funder, I mean, let's say you have a Robert Johnson Foundation funding you, and you're you know then sort of trying to set something up with someone. I think as long as all those pieces are being managed and controlled, then it can work. But it's definitely trying not to go into too many directions. Mm -hmm. So what do you what do you think? I mean, you know, one of the things I always wonder um, about it, you know, I, I, I have a lot of nonprofit clients and we talk about getting celebrities and sports people involved with the organization and stuff like that. I mean, mm -hmm. if I'm in an organization and I want to work with a sports person, um, and I've been down this road before where, you know, we've worked with people and then they got traded and you know what I mean? Then it was kind of all over very quickly and stuff like that. But I mean, do you have suggestions for nonprofits that want to work with uh, sports stars and, you know, sports people in general on philanthropy? I do. Uh, I think I think there's ways to make it successful, and I, I think there's ways to sort of meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. They They have, obviously, so many requests. They have so many expectations. They, on a daily basis, are just flooded with... Mm -hmm. I want I this from you, you and I want that yep. from you. And, right. you know, it's, I think it's just one understanding that and, you know, they are people, they happen to do something for a living that everyone is a part of now. But in the end, you know, it, would you want to be doing what you're asking them to do? Um, I, I think it's just really coming down to their level of trying to be empathetic of where they're coming from. I think a lot of times people, you know, are hard on, on athletes and say, well, mm -hmm. they won't do anything or they always say no. And it, I think it's just trying to understand where they are. So how do you flip that? What are ways to make them say yes? I, yeah. I think, you know, finding something, making sure it's something they do care about and, is it in a community they actually want to help? Is it in, you know, if they don't want to go into an auditorium with 100 kids, if that's just overwhelming for them, they're <laughs> trying to understand that ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got to know about them. I mean, you got to know. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's use the example, too, of someone like Lance Armstrong and the Livestrong Foundation. Yeah. I mean, you know, he founded the Livestrong Foundation. I mean, he obviously had a real passion for that. Uh, but yeah. but Livestrong only also really kind of illustrates Alicia and Megan, like, don't put all your eggs in the sports philanthropy basket either. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, Liz Strong is still an amazing example of what you can do, the power of sports philanthropy. And, and obviously, I mean, they've, they've run into their issues of late. Yep. But, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if you're a nonprofit and you're tied to one spokesperson who happens to be an athlete, I mean, if, I mean, a lot of things could happen. They could get traded. That's right. They could retire. I mean, you just don't even, you never know what can yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. Let's ask yeah. the question that all the nonprofits listening right now want to know, and that is if they don't have existing relationships with professional sports organizations, mm-hmm. how do they start to grow? And I know you're going to say it's all about relationships because that's what everyone <laughs> always says. But the question is, how do they how do they start growing relationships and start getting foot a foot in the door if they don't happen to know, you know, the president of whomever? Mm-hmm. Maybe they I, just become a groupie like me, Megan. With the the Swiffer sponsorship, the curling? Yeah, that's good. Or they, they like, hang outside their house and stuff like that. I mean, my opinion is that if if there's an opportunity for, whether it's a team or an athlete, to get involved in something that's different, you know, it's unique, it's creative, it's a new take on on something. I mean, that's always good because... If they've never seen it before and think, wow, this could be, you know, this could be really neat and we could be a part of it, that's, you know, just a, a good sell to them. As far as reaching them, like really actually communicating with them, right. the, I mean, at the team level, it's always the community relations director or if they have a foundation. I mean, usually it's the community relations director. The foundations are are very focused on what they do, it could be a good fit. And, you know, reaching out to them, they get, again, they're like the they get sometimes even more proposals than the athletes. But yep. if it stands out, if it's unique, they will pay attention to it. And they're also a good way to get to the athletes as well because they obviously work with them. Mm-hmm. So just being creative in your approach and using traditional channels but having a more creative approach is your recommendation? Yeah. yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it, I was just going to ask another question. And I totally lost it, Joe. You know, I think, you know, one of the things I have to say, uh, uh, guys, is one of the things I've always been really, I was really impressed with. And, Alicia, I don't know if this is on your radar screen, but just let, like what Boomer Esiason has done with his foundation. Um, you know, he's done, like, some incredible things. I mean, he obviously has a real passion for it because his son is afflicted. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, but it's just some of the things, things he's done in terms of fundraising. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of cause marketing and corporate partnerships and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, he's been a real model. And I mean, that's the other opportunity, I think, for nonprofits and for individuals that want to support good causes is, you know, are there sports foundations out there like Boomers that support their cause and what they do and that can help them with a grant or what have you? Definitely. And I, I mean, for a nonprofit, I think it's just a request. It's what are you looking for? I mean, usually it's yep. we want you to attend our event or we want some funding. And I think it's thinking beyond that. Obviously, an athlete can provide visibility and building awareness of the cause or the issue. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's more valuable in the end. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yeah. 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 And when you good. when you say you guys are focused on impact, talk a little bit about what that means and and some of the trends you're seeing there as far as um, demonstrating impact, ways that stories are told. You know, mm-hmm. raising the bar in, in terms of not just dumping a bunch of money, but understanding what that impact is. Can you talk a little bit about that from you know, particularly from the nonprofit perspective and what people are needing to do to demonstrate that that impact? Definitely. I I know for us, I mean, just from the selection process for the award, that we we always say we want outcomes, not outputs. And I think there's still some confusion on what that means, especially just within the sports community. Mm-hmm. And understandably, it's not something that most of these folks are trained to do. So, uh, you know, it's Again, I mean, it's it's basic, but for us, it's you know, if you're having a coat drive, we don't want to know that you gave a hundred coats to someone. We want to know right. that because of those hundred coats, someone then was able to do X, Y, and Z, and you know, behavior change and all those fancy words they throw out there. Yep. But it's you know that kind of impact and results that that we look for. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's so so important. Well, this has been very, very interesting, Alicia. It's always interesting to get a, a perspective that's somewhat outside of what Joe and I typically talk about, and you yeah. have absolutely provided that to us today, and it's it's just a fascinating, growing market. So thank you so much for sharing uh, your insight and your expertise with us. Um, and if people would like to find out more about you and what you do, what's the best way to do that? The best way would probably be to email me, and my email address is my full name. It's A-L-I-S-H-A-G-R-E-E-N-B-E-R-G at gmail.com. Fantastic. And we will um, try to include that in our show notes. And, Joe, how about you? Where can people find out more about the the, oh, the infamous Joe Waters where online? They, where they can find me, you know, I, I mean, just a curling star that I am, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you can find me on my blog, obviously, at SelfishGiving.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Joe Waters. And be sure to check out my cause marketing uh, Pinterest boards at um, Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can we find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF, and also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at CauseUpdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio, as well as iTunes. We do encourage you to go and subscribe in iTunes, leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up in Stitcher so we know you're listening. And on behalf of Alicia and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Cause Talk Radio, and we'll see you next time. 